0: Welcome to Peer to Peer, the podcast brought to you by Rainer. Listen in as we hear from top surgeons having great conversations with their peers about hot and popular topics in ophthalmology. In this second episode of the Digital Ophthalmic Society takeover of Peer to Peer, the podcast, Dr. Eric Rosenberg, co-founder of the Digital Ophthalmic Society, hosts Dr. Roger Zaldivar, CEO of the Zaldivar Institute in Mendoza, Argentina to discuss how surgeons can embrace technology to enhance their practices and stay relevant in a changing industry. Let's dive in.
1: All right. Um, Welcome to Peer to Peer, the podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about embracing technology to enhance your practice. And it is my sincere privilege and honor to have uh, Roger Zaldivar, Uh, A really amazing person to have on here. I'm pretty sure if we go back far enough in his lineage, uh, his line is responsible for inventing ophthalmology. And, uh, you know, Roger has been such an instrumental player in technology and telemedicine, telehealth, optics. Um, He sits on several boards of several organizations, as well as, um, you know, executive positions in uh, developing companies that are really going to revolutionize what ophthalmology does. So it's really a pleasure to have you here today, Roger.
2: It's it's my real pleasure to spend time with you. And I really look forward to this interesting conversation with you.
1: I, I live in the footsteps of, of you guys um, and just the amazing things you've accomplished and continue to do in ophthalmology. And it, it's, it's a really great synergy. And I think I've said this before where um, it's one of those few fields that exists where everybody really works together to enhance the, the basic platform that exists for ophthalmology. And, you know, as we're going down this path, uh, it's evolving, it's changing, right? And we're all kind of working together to make it better. Uh, You know, do you find that ophthalmologists are embracing these these digital changes as we're seeing it? Um, And and why or why not?
2: Yes, I I think that first of all, ophthalmology is very special because I think that uh, it has that nice synergy between the industry the the ophthalmologists and of course other fields that at at some point we're all pushing together towards this revolution to have better better result for patients. That's for sure. It has been uh, quite uh, dramatic in the last couple of years, all the new advances in technology, new IOLs new FACOs, new FEMTOS. We are seeing an aggressive innovation through there. And finally, I'm seeing some reaction that we are getting to a point where we do not have that important innovation in in the different technologies that we are using. And the revolution, I'm not sure if you agree with me, is going to come from data. How we can create better data, how we can explore it, how we can process it, standardize it, and help us take take better decisions. and when I say this, of course, I'm thinking in, in this very nice solution created by Rayner that is Ray Pro, that is helping us to understand what our patients are feeling. I, I'm really looking forward to this discussion.
1: I love your word revolution. Um, that is my favorite word as it relates to big data and the analysis of big data. I wholeheartedly agree with you that it's going to be these data sets and metadata sets and and clean data that we need to be able to implement and standardize data sets and metadata sets in order to be able to process it um, going forward. Um, you know, when when it comes to the analysis of the data, I think, in my my personal opinion, I think that's where the value is, and it's it's been kind of a struggle to um, have you know industry partners see that where it's. Not necessarily the data. They like uh, certain partners, right? They like to keep the data internalized and siloed. Like, this is my data. This is your data. I don't think that's the right approach because in the data sets alone, there's no value. It's in the processing and the algorithms and the, and, and the leveraging of that data that's that's important. So,
2: yeah. And the conjunction and the... And and how the different datas get together and mean something. If you have, mm-hmm. let's put a clear example to, to, to explain it in simple words. If you have, for example, guys from Oculus from Pentacam, just getting their own data and get it get it alone and don't sharing with anyone. What's the meaning of having tons and thousands and thousands of topography if you don't without metadata? If you if you cannot take them to real clinical results you must understand what were the optical, the performance of that patient, how was the patient seeing, what was the contrast sensitivity, what was the behavior, the night vision, the halos, the glare, the near performance. So everything has to get together to understand if exactly is is what what we imagine it was going to be. So I fully agree with you. Solutions and data has to be agnostic. Agnostic is the word. You cannot pretend that you're going to remain with your data and die with your data because you will die with nothing. Just just <laughs> numbers. We need to turn those yep. numbers into information. And that's the, that's the challenge here.
1: I love that. And, um, you know, the, there's an inherent value in the mosaicism of the data sets too. And a lot of people may or may not appreciate that, right? So um, let's just say you're talking about topography of of many different companies and many different data sets, they are never going to be the same. And in there, actually, that sigma value, the differences that exist between them, may actually hold some important value to have, which is also why it's important to share it, just because um, within the mosaicism of the data, it actually diversifies it and actually offers a, a very unique fingerprint to uh, certain individuals and certain characteristics that we weren't able to process before, right? And we're going to be able to derive value from those particular things. So it, it's really nice to, to hear that several of us uh, within this industry, within you know the digital sciences, we believe that the data should be 100% agnostic. Um, it should be shared with everybody. I guess that brings me to my next question, you know, how do you you propose to ophthalmologists who may not be going down this track already, you know, what should there be their first uh, step in being a little bit more digitally forward? Do you think it's the standardization of their own protocols, look within and then look outward? Or uh, do you think that they should uh, attend classes or courses or, uh, you know, what do you see?
2: Yeah and that's a great that's a great question because I I'm still seeing some colleagues that are extremely good uh, do, doing what they do uh, great surgeons very recognized you, you you I'm not going to name them but you you cannot imagine the 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 guys that I'm saying that they are still working with paper so they're still using these, uh, paper paper electronic uh, medical records so if you think in the amount of work that that takes to Take all those um, medical records into something de- into data, it's a double data entry. They have to go one by one, one page by one, to the data. And it's a lot of hours, hours and hours. And, and the point is, they they always say the same. It's I haven't found something that I feel comfortable and like I feel uh, agile enough, uh, quick enough, uh, and with the interface that I feel really uh, that I can fly in my examinating room without being stopped and I can anticipate. So there's so many things that can speed up your work, organize your workflows, understand your bottlenecks, understand where you can improve, which equipment you have to buy. All those kind of things have to be in the value proposition for these guys to understand that if they don't do it, they're going to disappear because they're going to be performing so worse so so really underperforming compared to someone using all these tools that it's, it's they are not going to be able to compete and to give the, the required results that patients today demand patients are pushing they understand everything and uh, we have to be we have to nail it there's no other way that nailing it
1: i i couldn't agree more with that um and it's interesting, though, too, I think we are our biggest problem and our biggest advocate at the same time, you know, how we unrolled and unveiled EMR and EHRs. One could argue um, it, it wasn't in the best way, right? It wasn't in the best light, <laughs> at least in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. There was there's pretty much a here's sixty eight billion dollars goal. you know, where so what, what are companies to do, right? Companies are to see what you're doing and then do a one-to-one carbon copy of the product that existed prior and the product that they're asking you to convert to now because the EHR companies don't know from more, right? They don't know from better. What has traditionally happened with ophthalmology and the advancement of technology is that it was incorporated in in an intelligent manner, based on the niche and the need of the product and of the surgeon. This was a unique time point in history where it it was not due to either of those things. It was It was just said by the government because they knew, they saw the bigger picture on the wall, right? Maybe all of us did not, that we needed to start adopting these technologies in order to better. Um, With that said, though, I 100% agree. You know, it's important that we appreciate the past, I think, and then push on the future for the development. And now, for those people who are not adopting the technologies that exist in ophthalmology, I say... It's like, you know, jumping to an airport and flying the jumbo jet before learning the the, the little Cessna airplane. You need to get the principles, the dynamics down, uh, you know, the solid foundational elements before you're able to grow with it.
2: Elder people today are all using WhatsApp, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and, and they do it very natural. Why wouldn't they be comfortable with an EMR? They would. And more, But it's all a matter of getting used to it, being exposed, don't have the pressure that if they have patients waiting for them, so do a soft transition between between paper and a, and a very nice, simple solution. And then one thing that I wanted to highlight is value-based medicine. Uh, you know how important value-based medicine is going to be in the future. Governments are struggling with uh, how medicine in general is becoming more and more expensive all over the world and US you know it that is is perhaps the the example on this Uh, so there there will be a need to demonstrate who are the ones that are doing quality medicine versus the ones that are doing quantitative medicine with with poorer Mm -hmm. results that at the end it's more expensive because you know you have more complications you have to do a vitrectomy you have to do this more another lens extra, so at the end it's, it's, it's more expensive, so if you can demonstrate those numbers in a very organized way and, and something you will pay less, uh, even insurance, you will pay um, they, they w- you will be paid more by Medicare, Medicaid, so but we need to have that in a very easy way to demonstrate, that's why uh, EMRs have to be tailor-made for ophthalmology, for refractive surgery, for glaucoma we, we, we have to build those uh, solutions in a tailor-made way. Do you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. I, and I love the tailor-made way, and it's actually a really good segment into what I was going to ask next. You know, um, a, a lot of it, there's now synchronous and asynchronous methods and medicine that we can practice and perform And there's still a lot of of art to what it is that we perform. And and getting patients to understand what it is that we're saying, it goes beyond just the medical terminology. There's some fundamentals in understanding sometimes that there's these disconnects um, with patients. I love the idea of asynchronous medicine. It it makes me really happy to think about because there's things that people can do on their own, independent of being in front of you um, in the clinic, where we can better their lives and uh, something tells me that Simvis Gecko is going to be one of those things. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love asynchronous medicine. I love it. And I, I was one of the ones that really pushed telemedicine. As, as you said, many, many years ago, we started with telemedicine. My father started with telemedicine in 2001. So many, many years ago. And we relaunched it in a very sophisticated way in a project with Cisco. In 2012, and I was seeing my whole all my patients through telemedicine 100%. I, was, I, I jumped in 2012, not with the pandemic. So, this was mm-hmm. 2000, 2000, 100% of my patients were re, um, diagnosed and, and assessed by telemedicine. So, I realized I was doing synchronous telemedicine and I was spending a yeah. lot of time, the challenges of, of uh, bottlenecks and stuff. So after doing many, many hundreds and thousands and spending time with other colleagues from U.S., and here Lance Kugler, my good friend, gave me this idea, he said, Roger, why don't you separate your examination as, as they do everything versus the, the rest of the studies and stuff, and then you explain the rest at home. And it was a game changer. So patients get in, patients get into the to the examinating room, they get all their exams done in terms of a slit lamp and everything. And then we discuss with the patient in another in another day, um, in, another, in an appointment with 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, but it flows so much faster and so much more natural. Their patients are in a very comfortable place. And everything is so much better that I take this exactly what you say. So there are now solutions like uh, these simulators uh, that you can check which IOL would you prefer for your life, like Simbis Gecko that I am working a lot with them to, to create an experience. And what they are doing is very interesting because they realize that if they give the solution to a patient and the patient wants to understand from every single eye it's the, what the, what you call the, 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 the name is Schwer, um, the Schwarber's Paradox. Many choices. Yeah. Yeah. Many choices. You don't, you, don't, yeah. you don't decide on everything. So they understood that they had to create a journey for the patient. So let's first think on a monofocal eye well, have the near vision, understand how poor is your near vision, jump through a trifocal eye well with the near vision first realize how good the near vision is, then jump to the far vision, see if you are okay, and then have the contrast between a far vision from a trifocal and an EDUF, and then jump back to an EDUF. So you have a journey. You experience most of the technologies and then you will have a flavor. Of course, this is an approximation. It's just to give a sense of what the patient might feel. But I think it's nice. It's good to try to put all this technology in patient in the patient experience, uh, in the modern practice, the challenge here is how we do we incorporate this in the regular in the regular patient. But I guess it's in a synchronous way. That's that's for sure. I
1: I love it, and you know, it's it's leveraging the technology not just for us but for our patients too. Um, some of the disconnect we sometimes take it personally when we can't communicate those things to the patients. At least I do. Um, when I can't get them to understand what I'm saying your near is going to be bad your far is going to be good uh, sometimes those those words as simple as they are are still really hard for patients to understand and it's not just about us understanding the data sets uh, glaucoma you know uh, retinal detachment risk all these other things that we worry about innately but it's it's even the fundamentals that can change for our patients and uh, a listening technology uh, to better off you know, uh, you know, their situation, they're coming to you, uh, you know, asking for help. And uh, this is just another tool that's going to be able to give it to them. Um, I have a question for you. What are you most excited about in terms of technology right now for practices? What do you think is going to be the next biggest thing coming out for, for tech and ops? So
2: I, I'm a little bit biased here because I <laughs> Have my own, I have my own project, and I, I really think that we are going to start flying very aggressively in the next couple of months because I'm seeing the reaction of my my clients and and even myself, and, and I now seeing I'm now harvesting the real value of what we are creating. So basically, what what we are doing is we are creating a whole um, ecosystem of solutions. Everything is interfaced, but everything is hanging from a very nice revolutionary emr so we do have an emr our own emr but the emr is the pillar to create the data to really create the the very smooth and and organized data to create all the other solutions and i'm delighted to have in one of those solutions for example i have an icl calculator for sizing which is Performing better than any other algorithm in the world today, so we are putting everything <laughs> together in the personalized way, and I, and we are able to create solutions for the community and other uh, other solutions that we have there. And I love it. And perhaps it's a good opportunity to mention it. Of course, is Ray Pro. I'm delighted with Ray Pro because uh, really, I'm for the first time I'm I'm able to see in a very in a, with a with a click in a very quick way exactly what my patients are feeling and, and again in a deeper in a deep personalized way because I, I I cannot track one by one, but I see of course all the trends, which are the eyeOSs that are performing better, which is the improvement after I do jack them, which is more sensitive than other ones uh, when, when you have opacification, where do where you have a better performance at night, which is performing better in the intermediate vision, All those questions that we kind of all the time infer, we think that this is performing better. Now you say, oh, wow, wow, I have 800 lenses here, and these are the results. I'm impressed. I thought this lens was better than this one, but this is performing much better. My patients are really happier. So one thing is we we kind of say numbers talk, but reality is that numbers talk, but patients are the ones that have the mouth. So if you <laughs> if you at the end have perfect numbers but your patients are not that happy, for me is it's not enough. You do have to have an alignment between the really what the, the numbers say. If the numbers are 2020 and the patient is not happy, for me it's not enough. Something is there. But if the if if you have full alignment, you are you are done. And and this is what we are getting with, with Ray Brother.
1: I, I love. Absolutely love that. And uh, for those listening in, you know, this is the epitome of a layered approach, right? And what Roger's saying is that EMR and EHR, which has been our interface mechanism is no longer going to be that. It's going to be a back-end system where we will have layers on top of layers that will be able to interface with us for more adaptable, more dynamic um, experiences, not just for us, but for our patients. And you're 100% right. We don't treat numbers. We treat people um, at the end of the day. And, And understanding from the front end will only yield understanding from the back end, um, and and these systems like Roger's pointing out, it's it, this is the revolution. It's the next layer on on the onion. It's the next level to the system where uh, it's going to give us useful data and be able to help us. Um, you know who I think it was Yannick or. Uh, uh, or Ted Lang, you know, who who renamed AI in my mind, uh, you know, it used to be artificial intelligence. I, I like, I like the word augmented intelligence. Yeah. And it, it helps us because there's, there's never going to be that. Just like you said, there's never going to be a system that's going to replace us because it can't it's it, there's something intangible about the experience that people go through. And In understanding that, you have to understand what we need the technology to do for us, not uh, instead of us, right? Uh, So,
2: Augmented intelligence, that I love it, for sure is going to change our practices. And it's already doing it in very specific topics, specific. Mm -hmm. But in our basic practices, just understanding what we do is the biggest revolution Mm -hmm. that we can see. Because we're going to recognize that many things that we think that are great are not that good. But just Mm -hmm. by them all together all together in a very nice and organized way will be an eye opener that will make us improve what we do and this is basically what we are doing today today we do have everything integrated in bi but we are working in all the in our pipeline in in different solutions based in ai but this is this is i think where where we have to target
1: Absolutely. So I guess we can end the podcast on one more question. Um, And I think you kind of answered it a little bit. You know, what do you, what do you think the future innovations look like in ophthalmology? We both of us know how far behind we are from business innovations. It's wild just to even think about. Um, But so what do you see our future next steps looking like as it relates to others who almost paved the way a little bit for us right so they've already they've already done some stuff what do you think we're gonna adopt what do you think the future of, of ophthalmology
2: is gonna be i think the the innovation the near term innovation it doesn't have to be 10 years i'm speaking about the next two or three years and if not it's because everyone we 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 have all failed um i think that the technology that we have today is great what we are missing is the fit we will be able to fit better to understand these this characteristics, your characteristics are perfect for this technology. That fit will come from all the data analysis that we will have to collect and recognize and understand. And they will tell me with your tear of film, with your uh, anterior chamber depth, with your this, with your that, you you have to do this, this and that. So the matching, the the very analyzed information and digested information and process and and with AI and everything we, we, we will take better decisions in the right person i think that is going to be the kind of the the short term revolution that we'll see it's not a magical i will that will change the power in different no it's it's being able to be more accurate in every single decision
1: absolutely and you know as you're talking you know what i hear in my head um i hear my there what is it was uh, a college uh, uh calculus 3 professor telling us about integral right um you have it depends on your number of blocks that you put underneath a curve that gives you the preciseness of the trend that you're going to see but as you improve your n as you improve those those physical rectangular blocks underneath the curve you're getting closer and closer to the normal for each patient group and and then we come to a point where n approaches infinity and you're actually giving personalized care because it's existing in, in an infinite amount of solutions to be able to treat our patients um, with literally infinite solutions, right personalized personalized care of, of the medicine. Um, I don't know if that's the best analogy for it, but it's just where my head goes uh, when you talk about it. Uh, Roger, you know, thank you for coming here and, and doing our peer-to-peer podcast today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to catch that coffee with you at, uh, at AO or ASCRS or ESCRS at the next meeting.
2: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. I really look forward to spending more time with you, my friend.
0: Thank you for joining us for this DOS takeover of Peer to Peer, the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, please take a minute and click subscribe before you head off. That way you'll know when the next episode arrives. For more information about this episode's topic, and to read the show notes, visit the peer-to-peer hub at rainercom forward slash peer-to-peer. This podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The presenter's views are their own. Rainer does not endorse off-label use. Users must refer to the product labelling and instructions for use for Rainer products in all cases. Not all Rayner products are available in all countries. The full disclaimer can be found in the show notes.